0: look at that look at the old calendar it is wednesday once again that means not only is it comic book day unless you're a dc fan and that might have been yesterday uh but it is also second print comics day and that means i get to look at a story of comic book yesteryear at least from my own comic book yesteryear and to do that i have as always with me my partner in comic book crime the ramblin one himself remzo martinez remzo what's happening
1: Mark, it's not often you throw a book at me that I've at least never heard of. Whether I've read it or not, I at least know about it. But I didn't know about this until like last
0: week. That is exactly, well it's not exactly, but it's part of the reason I do this show. The the first part was selfish that I want to have an excuse to read books that I haven't read or go back and read stories that I have read as we're going to be doing today.
1: And I want to learn how to. For it is
0: to teach a, a young Latino boy to read. Yes, um, but you know, but part of the fun for both of us, I think, is discovering things that we wouldn't have necessarily come across before. So we're going to do that today. But before we dive into that, I want to just remind everyone out there all the ways they can find us. You can find us on Twitter at Second Print Pod, as well as on Instagram at Second Print Pod. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a five star rating and a great review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy what we do here every single Wednesday on SPC. And of course, if you want to support our work, head over to. Patreon. Patreon at patreon.com slash secondprintpod, where we uh, put out all sorts of bonus audio goodness, including my mission right now i've been going through the ultimate fantastic four Remzo, and on the next edition i'm finally getting to it Remzo. i'm finally getting to the debut of the marvel zombies i'm very excited about
1: this i've been, I've been catching up on those what mark missed episodes and i think you're actually starting to really like the ultimate comics if not all of them like ultimate spider man ultimate x-men which we've done longer episodes here on the public feed but over on the patreon it seems that you've uh you, you've found yourself captivated by this one corner of the ultimate marvel universe I,
0: I have taken somewhat of a liking to to the FF, I will say, if nothing else. Uh, we'll we'll leave it at that for now. But yeah, I think as with anything, the reason I'm able to kind of latch onto it and do such a deep dive is because I, I went in at the number one. And also in this case, because I know that there's just 60 issues. So I ha- I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. If there was 300 issues of the series, I would never even consider what I'm doing right now. But since I, since this is one of my, like the, some of the characters that have, you know, that are, they're very nostalgic to me. It's the, the very first comic I ever picked up was a fantastic four comic. So to see what they've done with this new take of it is interesting to me, but it's also the fact that look, all right i'm doing six uh six episodes per episode (laughs) damn it six issues per episode so i just do 10 of these and i'm through i'm through the whole darn thing and i'm I'm almost halfway through already that run so uh to check those out again what mark missed where i go through comics that i missed stories that i missed during my comic book dark period of hmm, 10 years or so but uh this story that we're going to be looking at today is uh is actually but from it actually came out before I got into comics. So uh, we're going to be looking at a story called mage the hero discovered by Matt Wagner. And uh, as you kind of alluded to there, this is one of the rare stories that you were not really not, not only were you not familiar with it, but you had not read or even really was on your radar prior to this. Were you at all familiar with Matt Wagner or any of his other work? Have you ever heard of Grendel? Well,
1: I've, I've heard of Grendel Grendel's dark horse, right?
0: Yeah. These are both published by dark horse originally, I believe. And yeah, the, Matt Wagner is one of those rare comic book creators who is pre- Pretty much, I think he has dabbled a little bit in some Batman stuff later on, like here and there, but he is almost entirely known as an independent creator. Like he didn't have a big body of work and then go do independent work like he has just his biggest books that he's known for are Mage and Grendel. And both of those are, well, you know, Dark Horse. Anything is not Marvel and DC.
1: They're, they're like the definite. They're like the definition of like underground comics. Sure. Like people think that image was like you know the oh, no. the dark hide in the back of the store stuff, but like <laughs> this stuff is like as underground. It's like we're getting in like Tank Girl categories for
0: sure. Yeah, Dark Horse always did have that like is that underground feel that like this doesn't quite belong in the regular comic book universe like should but i should even? i
1: be reading this while i right. get in trouble if i tell somebody i read this exactly
0: I mean, especially grendel like a lot of that stuff was, was super super violent um but yeah i mean this so the reason i discovered this story was actually so there there are three iterations of the mage story uh there's this f- version that i wanted to start with since it's the first uh this is mage the hero discovered and then in the 90s image took off. matt wagner hopped over to image to continue this story in a, a book called mage the hero defined. Uh, so that was actually my first exposure to this character was through the image story, which is actually like the second volume of Mage, essentially. And then just recently, I think it was last year, and I have not read all of it, but this will probably inspire me to, to read the whole damn run uh, is Mage the Hero Denied. So it's basically uh, a three-part series taking place over several decades uh, revisiting the same character. And much like with Eric Larson books, this character ages. So, you know, it, when you see him 30 years later, Uh, in mage the hero denied he is 30 years older and he looks 30 years older so it's just one of those things that you could follow this entire story from beginning to end and maybe you've bought 30 40 comics and it's a it's a complete story so um and I'm, i'm always a fan of that but that being said we are going to now dive in to the og the original mage the hero discovered now We start off, I really do like that uh, these editions that we're reading, uh, these ones are on Comixology, I will admit, and these are kind of like remastered editions, but they have the original book covers here, and you can tell that these are like literally scanned copies of the original cover, and I just love that, actually, because it just just adds to that feel, like even though I'm holding this digital book, um, I... I i'm not gonna say i feel like it's got that fucking pile fade it's got that fucking pile fade exactly so i (laughs) i kind of like that we see like these faded covers along with like the newer covers that they did for uh for this collected edition but i'm a fan of the cover And, and right on the cover here i mean you just see well i'm not gonna describe the cover that's what looking is for you guys go get you guys go look um but we our story starts off and we just see this dude whistling and humming down the street. He's actually well he's actually singing a song, "Teenage Rebel, rule, rule, rule." I don't know that song or if that is a real song. Anyway, he's walking along and he stumbles over this dude. He's like, "Whoops, sorry." And this guy is just laying on the street in a cape. And this guy's like, "Hey, well, why so happy, mister?" And this guy's like, "Why so glum, bud?" And he just sits down and starts talking to this guy. And he's like, "Well, I'm not glum, I'm merely quiet while enjoying my contentment. You see, it might not last forever." And you And this guy who is our hero, Kevin Matchstick, who always wears the same t-shirt with a lightning bolt on it, he says, um, I'm allowed to cover my isolation. It will last forever. And this guy says, the other guy, the guy with the cape says, oh, and, and are you so very alone then? Kevin says, yes, completely. You got parents? He's like, well, loving, but they're basically blind friends. They're idiots. Lovers? And Kevin just kind of like rolls his eyes in the back of his head. He's like, yes, of course. I've had a few in my pitiful little life and all have betrayed me. <laughs> Poor guy, been there, buddy. Uh he says all and Kevin says all. And this guy says, Are you sure? And he says, what, that they betrayed me? He says, No, that your life is so very little. Kevin says, Oh yes, I'm completely ineffectual. Turns around. As he turns around, this guy in the cape does some magic magic energy shit, <laughs> puts his hands in the air. And we see all this green energy and he says, then my free, then I'm afraid you have much to learn my friend. And he just disappears. And then, uh, this guy in the t-shirt who I, I'm going to call him, Kevin, he has not been in- been introduced as such yet, but he is Kevin match matchstick, the hero of the story. He does kind of a double take kind of looks behind them. He's like, well, like that was weird. I guess that guy's gone. Cool. And he's walking along and then he sees an alleyway. He sees a mugging and he just thinks to himself, oh, great. a mugging just what I wanted to see tonight, but something kind of overcomes him and he decides, you know, I can't just let this, let this go on he runs in attacks the mugger who is seemingly some sort of like just gray-skinned weirdo in a trench coat tackles him uh the mugger throws a trash can cran at him he dodges it Kevin comes in there, just hits him with a sharp uppercut. Is really laying it into this uh, this gray skinned, freaky looking mugger dude. Actually beating the living shit out of him. Uh, he goes to hit him again, misses, and punches a hole through a wall, which gives him a little pause because he doesn't really seem to be too bothered by the fact that, that his hand shit ain't. Normal. <laughs> no, so like this is not a guy who thinks he has powers or anything like that. So it's all very much, and, and, and it's funny because that moment of pause allows this kind of uh, gray skin mugger guy to grab the back of Kevin's head and just throw it right into this wall. Uh, but then Kevin kicks uh, the, this guy in the balls or where balls would be. We don't know if this thing has balls. Um, so Kevin is just punching him and he's pulling him up and he's like, "All right, you freak, get up!" And this this guy comes and swipes his elbow up at him and he seemingly just misses but he has this little sharp pointy thing on the end of his elbow which kevin kind of sees and notices and just like what the fuck and this guy comes at him again he grab kevin grabs this big uh this just piece of plywood two by four whacks him with it and um as that as he like knocks this gray freak across the uh, across the alleyway he's like he hears the guy on the ground he's like oh he's like oh my god I, I almost forgot about forgot about the victim here he runs over to this victim and he's like hey buddy relax relax i'll call for some help, and the, the victim here, this guy is laying on the ground, he's all messed up. He just says, Ah, good, 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 crackle flint. And Kevin's at, then looks back, sees that gray attacker running away, and um, basically just gets up and goes to make a phone call because <laughs> that's what you do, I guess, when you interrupt a mugging by a, a gray skinned freak. He says, I'd like to report a death. A man. He's in an alley way off uh, South Street between 12th and 13th. I have no idea. know who, who he is. Yes, he was beaten badly. No, I didn't see the assailant. And he's thinking like, man, maybe I should have said something. Should I have described this guy? But I, I don't think anyone would have, would have believed me if I said that I saw this, you know, this you know gray, gray freak with like a, a spiky uh, elbow attacking someone. So I'm just going to kind of leave that as it is uh we then go to we see a, a phone being answered by a mysterious figure who is twirling some dye and he says yes he's dead good what matchstick was the power with him damn that he must have already encountered the world mage i wasn't ready for this so early in the game i guess we'll just have to up our efforts do your best to stop him but don't get your hopes up unless you catch him soon the longer we let him go the more dangerous he becomes as this mysterious figure slams the phone down and looks out into the uh, i think it's supposed to be manhattan into the manhattan skyline maybe it's chicago who knows it's one of them cities uh meanwhile kevin is just walking around walking up to his apartment thinking to himself and man what what happened to that what about that bum on the street what the hell compelled me to open up to him like that then like because he's even like you know, Kevin, as he kind of mentioned in the beginning, he's this kind of like loner, isolated guy. So the the fact that he would even stop and talk to that guy that was just sitting there wearing a cape is pretty uncharacteristic of how he would normally act. And he's thinking to himself, and then the mugging—like one moment I'm just a spectator, and the next I'm playing Captain Marvel. We got a Captain Marvel reference here, punching holes in walls and tumbling around with some guy that looks like a refugee from Tom Savini's workshop. Now that is a reference that I do not get, and I am not even going to pretend to get. Remzo, what can you tell me? About? <laughs> what can you tell me? About? About Tom Savini's workshop,
1: Anything? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> even going to try. But no, I like that is a, a pretty clever Easter egg because he's got the Captain Marvel, aka Shazam, lightning yeah. bolt on his shirt.
0: Exactly. Yes. So basically, Kevin is realizing that he's like this whole day has been totally out of character. Even like the actions he's taking, intervening this mugging, and he's thinking to himself, "Man, I feel pretty lousy about this whole thing." Walks into his apartment, and who is sitting there? This same blue caped dude that, that he was just hanging out in the alley and kevin is surprisingly calm when he sees this guy but again kevin hasn't been acting much himself today anyway and he sits down across from this guy in the dark he says funny thing is i'm really not very surprised and this caved freak says, should you be? And Kevin's like, well, yes, I, I'd say so. Meanwhile, this this guy is like, literally, he's spinning one of those Rubik's cubes around with his finger, but it's not on his finger. It's just spinning in the air. So he's clearly displaying some sort of magic. And he actually completes the Rubik's cube um, just just in the air. And Kevin's like, how the hell did you do that? And he's like, do what? <laughs> he just holds the Rubik's cube. He's like, I'm sorry, Kevin. I, I tend to forget that you know nothing of me, even though I'm, I know so very much about you. So Kevin's like, so who are you? He says, I am Mirth. And he says, "I'm not laughing." He says, "No, no, no. My name is Mirth." He says, "I'm still not laughing." He says, "You're very confused." Kevin says, "Yes." He says, "Especially by certain feats that you perform tonight." And then Kevin kind of looks up, and he's he's interested. So he's, he's got his attention now. Cause this guy also knows what happened in the alley. And he's saying in certain feelings that overtook you and spurred you on feelings, you have no explanation for. Yes. I know you have many questions. Ask them one at a time. I will answer some of them. And he says, okay, to start with just who or what is a crackle flint. He's like, ah, well you see my friend, a crackle flint is a what and a who. And Kevin's like, oh jeez." He's like, yeah, you fought one, not two hours ago. He, and then he goes on to explain he is Emil grackle Flint, Flint and he is one of the strongest agents of the greatest power of evil that the earth has seen in quite some time Kevin's like evil huh He says yes evil as you've probably noticed he has no hair no ears no pupils or nails what he does have though is a highly venomous spur at the base of his elbow email is extremely dangerous and unpredictable and Kevin's like a spur he says yes a spur be aware of it your power is wondrously potent but I fear it can't combat its poison he's like my power uh-huh okay he's he's kind of doing this like okay buddy thing yeah cool t- cool story but at the same time kevin has experienced this weird day where he did talk to this guy for seemingly no reason and where he did uh encounter this you know gray skin freak and and basically battle it with powers he never knew that he had before he, he seemed to have s- somewhat superhuman strength and-, and that sort of thing which he definitely didn't have before this So then, this guy says, uh, "Mirth, I guess Mirth is his name." Yes, power, your power with it, and my magic, we shall crush the menace. And Kevin's like, "We?" He's like, "And now, my friend, farewell." He's like, "What do you mean, we?" You hold it, pal. Well, wait, you're not my friend. Like, I'm not part of your little game. I just broke up a mugging. That's it. No big deal. And he's just Kevin, just yelling out the hallway, and he's like, "And just how the hell did you make this door open?" (laughs) And um, then he goes back in, and Mirth is there in the chair again. (laughs) So he left through the door, and then he was just there in a chair. Why? Because he's magic, and he's letting Kevin know. that he is fucking magical <laughs> all right and he says by the way kevin don't forget to be careful of the spur of the grackle flint later and mirth just disappears in uh you know in a green little uh, burst of energy Kevin sits down in the real in the same chair, says, man, I really feel lousy about all this. Uh, We then go and it's the next morning as we see the alarm clock going off at 730 a.m. Kevin gets up and he's thinking, man, what a lousy dream. I I never had one like that before. The others were bad, but this one, man, my whole body aches. And Christ, I look like shit. Looks in the mirror, gets dressed goes for a walk uh is walking down this alley and uh, he goes to the subway and there's like there's nothing there there's, there's like no trains uh and finally a subway train there's no people there finally a, a, a subway car comes up he hops in the subway and there's nobody on there except these two guys in trench coats and he's thinking to himself well at least there's a, some people on this train kevin sits down and looks over at, at one of these guys and I, they really do a good job they um, it, this is all this is all matt wagner here really does a good job of like giving us the, the close up of Kevin's face and like the surprised eye. And then we go to the next panel where he, he recognizes that spur on the elbow, that venomous spur of uh, one of these guys in the trench coats. And that's when he immediately realized, Oh shit, what's up here. So there's actually three of these guys on the train with him. Cause he notices another one watching him on the other side of the car. So Kevin counts to himself. He looks at his fingers. He's like three of them okay and he can they come after him and, and here we go again like heaven is fighting these these grackle flints headbutts one in the back um there's i really do love like matt wagner's very how do i say this without making it sound, i, I want to say simplistic art but it's that that makes it sound like it's 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 bad or something it's not bad uh it's this it's, is
1: very this is very cartoony now now given the age was it, was, was Wagner, is what, is Wagner a European guy? Like, is he from like England or whatever?
0: Um, hmm. no, no, he's not. No. <laughs>
1: well, this looks, well, he's, he was they, born they all... in
0: Pennsylvania in 1961. So he would have been like 23 years old here then.
1: So the only reason why I ask is because this looks a lot like, you know, some of the Miracle Man stuff coming out um, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Um, it looks a lot like a lot of the, the French and British style of writer and cartoonist comics that were coming out at the time. So maybe he was inspired by it. just a worthless observation of mine.
0: Oh, all your observations are, have worth, don't you forget
1: to somebody somewhere listening especially if they've given us a five-star review but we'll leave that later
0: um but yeah um so yeah but i I guess yeah cartoony in a good way though I, i guess i was is how i would put it i really i really do enjoy the action sequences they're they're easy to follow and and they're fun i would say uh but yeah kevin is getting a little overwhelmed here he's taking a couple shots um and finally he's just like you know what i'm not gonna or i'm not gonna be able to take these guys on so he just jumps out of the window of the subway car seemingly into another as another subway car is coming the other way and that wraps up our first issue we end on a little bit of a cliffhanger what did you think of your introduction to to uh kevin matchstick and the world of mage in this first issue
1: it's all exposition like it's very it, it's it's very cartoony in a way because there's no real time to even ask what's going on they just kind of take you around and tell you. And by the end of this, it's like, you know, the first issue, like, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what's happening because I am curious, like why they choose Kevin, who are all these guys, but it's not like I feel a lot of tension has occurred. It's just a very basic, you know, I'll, I'll call a very basic hero's journey setup that doesn't really have me that enticed yet, especially if the artwork, I mean, the artwork coming out when it did in the, in the nineties, you would expect it to be, No, this is, this is 84. This came out 84. Well, yeah. even then, like there were good people drawing around then, like, it's just I, it might not, I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm just going to say it's not my style, but maybe I'll grow onto it. Who knows?
0: It's definitely a different style of art and a different feel of book. Again, that's why it is at a company like dark horse, where you're going to get some sort of different feeling kind of books, different kind of art, art that like you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't see this art in a, in a Marvel book in, in, uh, in 1984, but that's what, that's the great thing about having alternatives. Uh, But um. Moving into issue two and this, and I will say like mage in general, especially this first volume of mage, it's very much in the format of, of it's, it's, you kind of get into it the same way that he is that, that Kevin is you're kind of, toss right into it. And you're learning more about this, this kind of mysterious magical world that he is operating in as he is sort of in, in, in the same time. So you're kind of, you are seeing it from sort of Kevin's point of view and you essentially have as much information as he does as, as this thing goes along, but this is kind of a slow burn. So like, we're not going to get all these answers in these four issues that we're going to look at. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but they, you do get them over the course, uh, you know, over the course of Kevin's adventure uh, throughout the story. But we dive back into issue number two chapter two and kevin is flies out in front of this other subway car just as he dove out of the last car the subway car is coming at him we hear a clack a thud, a clack i do like the the sound effect lettering here and then it seems that he has been run over by a subway i guess but then at the bottom panel here we see his head pop up comes up and says, Man, do I need a cherry coke? <laughs> I do love cherry cokes, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Man just, after <laughs> my own heart. Just look at that crap. See, Kevin's winning you over already. Uh jackets ruined my pants too. I wait a minute, my clothes are trash, but I'm fine. How am I okay? And it is when Kevin's really it's really hitting into like, okay, this is some weird shit. This is not just me fighting a, uh, some gray dudes. Like I have stuff going on with me that I, I can't comprehend. Uh, we then go to this tower. It is the the sticks sticks like the band s-t-y-x the sticks hotel and casino remzo what can you tell me about the band sticks <laughs> they were a band yes and this is the to 80s do with this has nothing to do with them but but i do enjoy some sticks that's all i'll say um and we see the same guy the same guy that was uh in the suit on the phone earlier he says well don't be so sure he's dead although he probably doesn't realize who he really is let's make sure that we don't forget most likely the train barely phased him well, and this is one of the gr- grackle flints talking to him now. Uh, While well, Emil and Laszlo are watching the two stops at that, that border of the area where he was hit. If he comes out there, they'll see him, but I still find it hard to believe that a subway train at full speed couldn't. And he says, I know Piet. So each of these grackle flints has their own names. Uh, I, th- I don't know if he explained it yet. We'll get to that, but there, there are five grackle flints total. He says, I know Piet. And at one time it would have done the job, but once he encountered the world mage, the power awakened swiftly in him we should have kept better track of mirth movements matchstick is now beyond any harm this world has to offer him. So essentially when Kevin encountered this mirth who is known as the world mage, it activated this power in him, but it's power that, that already existed in him. Um, and we'll get to, well, I don't know if we'll get to exactly why today, but this story will eventually get to why. Um, and now, but now that he has that power activated, like you can't just defeat this guy with, with normal material type stuff. You're going to need some stuff from perhaps another realm. Uh, so we, uh, this guy in the suit says, "So all we can do is sit back and await your brother's report. If he is alive, then we'll have to arrange for some harm that comes from beyond this realm." As I just said. Uh, meanwhile, get back back to Kevin. He's walking along and just thinking to himself, like uh, he's kind of thinking like how he's gonna what he's gonna tell his boss. He's his boss is named Cooch, by the way. <laughs> I enjoy his internal uh, monologue here. He's like, "Hello, Cooch. This is Kevin. I won't be into work today. I got hit by a subway train." He's like, "No, it doesn't work." Hey, Cooch, I'm feeling a little run down today. No, that's not gonna work. And he's like, like as he's thinking to himself. Himself, this lady is just like shocked by the fact that this guy is 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 uh, climbing out of the subway just completely unfazed and another like, day in new york exactly it actually kind of is another day in new york to be honest uh he's just he's continuing to walk along and he's just thinking god damn it i need a cherry coke as he's being followed by another one of these grackle flints and then we go back to the hotel where we see the mysterious figure in a suit talking to two other grackle flints who are playing chess because you know grackle flints they need to take a load off and have some leisure activities too remsen do you play much chess? have you ever, ever got involved in chess?
1: I can't play chess to save my life have you had a i i i always and I feel super hypocritical saying this. I always thought it was nerd shit
0: <laughs> that would be very hypocritical per too
1: yeah, like it's extremely hypocritical <laughs> two
0: guys have doing a comic book podcast here
1: <laughs> yeah like like chess was like chess was like the limit for me the the only the the only game I was like super competitive in was like. Blackjack and Texas Hold'em which should probably tell you a thing or two about my childhood.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Well, I, I've, I've gotten into chess quite a bit these last uh, four or five months. Cause I've had a, uh, let's just say I've had some time on my hands, even though it feels like I never have time. And I, 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 I thought I was like not getting much better um, because like the computers or anybody I play online would always beat me. But then I play my wife and my friend, Dan, who was here and I just destroy them every day. So I'm better than them <laughs> at least. Um, That's it. You have to plan.
1: destroy your family and friends. Yes. That That's is. how, you know, you're making progress. Progress. That's the key in life, really. Uh, but
0: anyway, this uh, this guy in the suit, he's talking to these other Grackle Flints, and he's like, "Look." Uh, Matchstick, he looks a little rumpled up, but appears to be fine, so I'll begin making arang- arrangements on how to deal with him immediately. Meanwhile, you two hit the streets. We've got to up our efforts on locating the Fisher King. So, another character has entered the fray here the mysterious Fisher King. He says, Since Laszlo's the only one who can recognize him, send him here for easy access. Tell our street agents to be extra alert and report. Any new characters in their area will pay double for their efforts. His shape changing ability makes it difficult for us, but no matter what form, he takes and at this point he's picked up the king from the chessboard he says the king will always be lame and he snaps this little this poor little king's legs off <laughs> and if i was a grackle i i'm like dude we were just we're, we're in the middle of the game you broke the king's legs how are we supposed to finish but anyway um, moving along, Kevin is back and now he actually is calling his boss. He's saying, look, Cooch. Yeah, yeah, I know I work for you. I'm sorry. I, I just don't feel well. Just tell Heather to fill in and I'll pick up the slack tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Uh, at last, a cherry Coke. Cause he sits down at the diner and who appears right across from him with a flash of green energy is mirth, the world mage. And he says, you're looking well this morning, Kevin. And Kevin's like, oh God, this guy again. Well, aside from your clothes, that is. And Kevin's like, come on, let's get out of here. I got a few questions I want to get answered, Captain Guru. And we're going to find someplace a little more private to talk this over. And uh, Mirth is like, private? Oh, no problem. Boof. He poofs them up. And suddenly they are on the top of this giant skyscraper. And Kevin is freaking out. He is screaming and crying. He's like, Mirth, you ask, Get me down from here. And, and Mirth is like, Kevin, what could be more private? We're on the top of this building. He's like, no, I, I get vertigo. I can't stand heights. Get me down. Get me down. And then Mirth just snaps them out. Uh, to a park he's like is that better and kevin's like well it's not totally private but it'll do he's like why didn't you tell me there were three of those fucking things i added the fucking uh he's like well they're not he's like what do you mean there aren't he says there's five and kevin's like oh god and they are the deadly enemies of mankind in general and of you in particular uh we then hop over and we see this black chick getting out of a car and her red car that that's that's a whole page we get of that uh we'll get back to her uh back to the park he says all right go on ask her questions." Kevin says, Well, why me? mirth says, Well, because there has awakened in you a power, a power that will make you discover the hero you are destined to be. Kevin's like, uh-huh. Uh and he says, but why'd you out? And suddenly Kevin gets stabbed in the hand uh with something or other. We go back, we see this black chick in the car uh as she drives by um one of these grackle flints, these gray-skinned freaky grackle flints in a trench coat. We'll come back to her later again. Kevin says, How do I explain this? This morning I get hit by a subway train, not a scratch. This afternoon I get a splinter. So that, that was what we just saw uh, kind of shooting to his hand. He gets a splinter uh, from, from the wood on the bench. And Mirth says, Well, put simply, Kevin, the power is in you, but you are not it. And Kevin says, all right, I, 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 bet they, I bet they just love you over at Reader's Digest. Another 80s reference, 80s, 90s reference. Remzo, what can you tell what? me about Reader's Digest?
1: Is, is Reader's Digest old now? I think
0: so. I mean, isn't Reader's Digest what they sent you? Like it had like the TV schedule in it for the week and i mean i stories. mean
1: it was i was honestly mark it was a goal of mine when i was a writer to get published in reader's digest It's still <laughs> kind Reader of Reader is
0: still exists. i think i
1: think it is but uh I, I i'm gonna nerd out for a second on something i can nerd out folks i'm a digital marketer and copywriter and we have a saying that if it's too complicated you need to go ahead and make your copy into a reader's digest level <laughs> so therefore if you ever hear somebody in writing say break it down to a reader's digest level you know you need to make it sound dumber yes
0: (laughs) and that's probably what kevin could use too actually because because he's not quite getting this whole thing and mirth says well what i mean is that the power rises to whatever situation but only when it feels it's needed i'm afraid my friend that you can't control it and kevin just like great awesome uh another splash pit not splash page another three panel page of this chick in this car and uh she there is a grackle flint still uh tracking her so we go back and mirth is explaining more to kevin he's like all right the Grackleflints, though they are not the actual threat kevin's like what he's like they're merely lieutenants controlled by a greater evil a vast darkness known as the umbra sprite kevin says what sprite the umbra sprite the grackle flints are brothers and he is their father although he does not appear as hideous as they he is far deadlier he is attila herod nero Hitler and Stalin realized in one his plottings are subtle or direct as needs be, but they are always insidious. He strives even now to destroy what is light and good. in us all he's basically Satan. Let's put it that, you know, he's, he's the personification of evil. In, in, as far as the story goes, uh, we do see more of this chick um, being followed um, by one of these grackle flints again, who as a big center block and it looks like things aren't going to go well for her, but we're still not quite sure why she's being followed back to the park um it is a little weird actually the 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 back and forth because that this chick is her thing is happening at night and these two are talking during the day so that that was a little odd i'm just noticing now going through it here kevin says okay but what about what what would captain nasty want with the old guy in the alley why did they kill that that random guy And Marissa's like, look, there are certain people who are naturally drawn into the eternal struggle, even though they often have no idea of what is actually going on. Still, others are distinguished by the rare talent to recognize you for what you really are. They see the hero within you. The old gentleman was just one of those people. He was killed simply because someday he may have encountered you, known you, and tried to help you. Uh, Then we see this Grackle Flint is messing with this chick's car. He's sticking a cinder block underneath it. Messing it all up as we go back, and Mirth continues. He says, I must say, Kevin, you're taking this all very well. And Kevin says, Who says I'm taking any of it? He's like, You don't believe me? He's like, Well, I didn't say that either. And then Mirth says, So why play along? He says, Well, until I see a little more, let's not call me a player, merely an active spectator. Mirth just laughs and says, Very well, my friend, but now there's something you must tell me. And then we turn the page. We see this chick gets out, grabs a baseball bat from her car, and goes to confront this grackle flint. And Back to the park. We see Mirth floating with his green magic. Kevin's like, get down here before someone sees you. And Mirth's like, no one can see me unless I want them to. And Kevin's like, oh, okay. So tell me, why is someone with all the power you contain scared of heights? I'm sorry, but I find it quite silly to... Er, er, and we see something like something is is hitting mirth like in his in his gut basically and this is when we go back and see that this chick is fighting the grackle flint and she's actually she's holding her own quite well she's like ducking his punches smacks him in the, in the back of the head with his baseball bat which doesn't really affect him too much but she's just holding her own i will say and meanwhile mirth just like falls out of the sky falls to the ground kevin runs after him and this is all juxtaposed with this chick um uh, this Grackle Flint is getting the best of her he knocks knocks the uh, baseball bat out of her hand slapping her in the face against the car i mean things are not going well and kevin's like well mirth what's wrong with you what are you he's like it's all right kevin it, it, it's just the sight it comes on me unexpectedly in the beginning is painful but now the pain clears and i begin to see oh no it's happening again one of those i spoke to you of those who will know you and join you is again at the mercy of a Grackle Flint. and as we end this issue we see this uh, black chick being choked against the car as this Scraggle Flint is about to spike her in the face with his poisonous spur. Remza, reactions to issue two. Are you are you getting more interested in the story as you go along, or are you still kind of messed?
1: I think it's growing on me now, especially since we're actually really just starting to set up more of the stakes. Yeah. Like I can I can I be honest about something? Please, please do, folks. That's why we do Mark, this show. Mark and I. <laughs> have to plan this show between all our actual like outside podcast lives and uh, i got i got my annual physical for the first time in several years on friday and (laughs) i got a call today while i was at work saying hey your blood sugar level is incredibly concerning and i'm like what do you mean they're like we're gonna go ahead and test you and just make sure that your glucose levels are fine so immediately i'm thinking like shit like, I know I need to, like, lose some weight and stuff, but are they insinuating that I might have diabetes? So are they're like, I'm like, wait, like, if I if I was like, you know, what you're saying, like, if I had, like, a sugar problem, you, you, I, you would let me know, right? Like, I could reverse this, right? And they're like, well, we're going to get your test immediately. So literally, as Mark was finishing up issue two, I get an update on my phone. Your test results from today are ready. And long story short, my doctor sent a note like, oh, I forgot you told me before we took your blood that you had a latte. So this extended test they did to test my blood sugar. Long story short, I'm actually really good. And if you're going to get blood tests, a blood test done. Do not drink a venti ice mocha from Starbucks beforehand. That is the lesson of the day. (laughs) Diabetes can be avoided. (laughs) through proper diet and regular exercise, which you can do by listening to one episode of the second break comics podcast. If you start being active from the moment we start to the moment the episode ends, you will have exceeded your daily cardio requirement.
0: You know, you know, I know we're joking here, (laughs) but you know, it it, legitimately, not that we are a fitness health and fitness podcast, but if you're someone who sits around thinking, man, I, I just never have time to work out. Okay. Once, at least once a week, just turn on this podcast and go for a walk. I don't care how fast you walk. I don't care how long you walk. I don't care. Well, I do care how long you walk. That's the whole point. I don't care how far you walk. But if you keep walking for this entire episode, you're gonna you're gonna burn some cows, all right? That's that's our health and fitness advice.
1: That's my that's my intermission for today, Mark. Issue two was good. <laughs> all
0: right, all right, we're, we're moving in the right direction. So back to issue three here, and I continue to love they do the scanned like um these were all wraparound covers originally, and they do the scanned uh, covers of each. So I, I just I just I'm that's like I'm not gonna say it's my favorite part of this, is but I really do enjoy the the feel of reading these scanned covers because they just not reading them, but just looking at, and I actually do reading them because they have these little kind of like uh these little previews on the back and it just it just gives me that you know 80s like it's you can you feel like you'd be finding this book in like you said like the back of some bin or something uh at some comic convention and in the way back of it and it's in kind of like ratty old shape and i just i just like that that feel was conveyed by by doing these scans which they really didn't need to do but uh because every the other pages are not like that kind of scan they're actually digitized the digitized artwork um but yeah I, i am enjoying these scan pages as we head into chapter three. And again we always we always start off hot right where the last uh, episode episode right where the last issue ends uh the Grackle Flint is about to stab this uh this black chick who's against the car and she, it's things are not looking good right as he is about to come down with this spur hand reaches out and it is It is our hero. Kevin Mastic grabs this grackle flint. And here we go again. We got another grackle battle here. Throws this grackle flint against the wall. And he tells Mirth, he's like, Mirth, make sure the girl's all right. He's like, Kevin, watch out. Kevin almost gets stabbed by like, he just ducks. And uh, thank God for Mirth warning him as another grackle flint comes from behind. I think it's another grackle flint. No, it's the same one. Just one grackle flint uh, and tries to get Kevin. Meanwhile, they're grappling. And now Kevin is like so focused on these spurs. Now that he knows that the poison could potentially kill them. So he's just like holding this guy's arms apart. Um, and as they tangle up and I guess, um, let's see. Mirth is kind of like talking to this chick and he's like, if only I can get a clear shot. And he's like, do you have a gun or something? And he's like, well, no, not exactly. Cause like Kevin and the crack are just all tied up in knots, uh, like flying around through the air. Uh, and then as they do get, they finally get separated from each other and Mirth takes a shot with his green energy blasts. And uh, he's, he yells, uh, as the Grackle Flint yells, Father, I fall into the very midst of our enemies. Send your shade to my aid. Save me. And as this uh, Grackle Flint is falling from the sky, this black hole opens up. Um, it's kind of like it, it's a different dimension, a different plane of existence. And this Grackle Flint falls through the black hole. And then the black hole emerges with eyes and an arm and points at Mirth and starts talking. It says, Mage, you and your warriors are becoming a naggish thorn. In the underbelly of my operations a thorn that will be most unpleasantly plucked and discarded you are mad to oppose my power so beware march hair before your head is proclaimed off and then mirth says i hear you queen of hearts and your power must be great indeed to send your shade directly into the battlefield with apparently no concern i must say though that i find your confidence highly overrated as mirth shoots a little blast of his energy right at what is this is being called the shade it shoots it right in what appears to be its mouth as the shade just kind of evaporates into nothingness and this chick is like hey drapes she calls him drapes uh that was a cute little trick but aren't you forgetting the star of our show over here he's like oh he's all right and this chick's like all right I- i'm sure he's just great he only fell like five or six stories and she's immersed and like young lady i assure you he's just fine and they go over and kevin is sitting there he doesn't look happy but he is he does seem just flying and he's pissed off because he's like They fly. He's just looking at him like you didn't fucking tell me this thing's fly. And this chick's like, Are you all right? He's like, I'm fine, but why the hell didn't you tell me they could fly? He's and he says, Oh, they can't all fly. Just that one. That's Stannis. (laughs) And he's like, What? You mean all five can do something different? He's like, Oh yeah, I didn't tell you that. Yeah, I'm afraid it's the only really way to tell them apart. They look exactly the same, but they all have a different power.
1: What do you mean they all look the same?
0: (laughs) And he's like, Kevin's like, ah, damn. And she's like, Are you sure you're alright? He's like, Would you just knock it off? I'm fine already. And just just who the hell are you? She's like, Forgive me, my lord. I am your most humble and loyal servant and he and kevin's like i thought you said she was gonna know me what's all this malord crap and he's like and mirth is like calm yourself kevin she's merely confused by some of the things she's just seen just now she's not used to this you know he's like well neither am i like i didn't have powers like six hours ago he's like yes but you don't have to merely watch these events unfold they're happening directly to you that makes it a little easier he's like well not really but whatever mirth goes on he's like look we can continue this elsewhere my friend right now i suggest you get the young lady's car down off the cinder block so that we can hurry out of here in a more conventional method than how we arrived so they fixed the car they get the cinder block that was all jammed up in the wheel um and they're talking to this chick and she and he and mirth goes to her he's like now there's something i must discuss with you young lady it seems our friend over there is almost totally ignorant of who he really is and she says to him but he must be told he and mirth is like no imagine if you can so she she kind of knows who he is she she knows exactly who he is actually and mirth Mirth's trying to kind of downplay that for some reason he's saying imagine if you can how you would feel upon discovering practically everything you had ever believed about yourself to be a lie and he, he, she, he's just talking to her so kevin can't hear this he's She's like, look at me. I said, Look at me. If you recognize him, then surely you know me. And she says, Yes, but but I my console has always been wise to him in the past. Has it not? Then trust me in this. I assure you that the, when the time comes for him to know, you will be the cause of it. So Kevin knows about that he has this power going through him, but he doesn't know the true nature of what he is, which even this random chick seems to know. And then this um you know, they see this um center block fly across the screen and, and Kevin yells, Hey guys, the car's ready. And he's like, Hey, so what kind of car is this anyway? This chick responds, she's a 1959 Corsair model Ed Cell. Kevin's like, an Ed Cell. <laughs> she's like, you got something against Ed buddy? Why? No, not at all. I guess, I don't know. I, I think didn't they, used to the,
1: didn't they used to call those pimp mobiles. I have no idea, but it's a, I think it's a badass looking
0: car. I'll tell you that. Did
1: you ever see Live and Let Die? Mm,
0: uh, that's a Roger Bond more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I mean, at some point, I don't remember the details. So, I've seen every Bond movie when I was a kid.
1: Okay, so in my opinion, Roger Moore's best film is James Bond. At the beginning, you see one of these cars drive up uh, beside the car that he's in. And through the side mirror, there's like a little gun there that shoots the driver of Bond's car. Mm -hmm. And after, you know, he drives off and everything, Felix Leiter is like, come on, we have to go find a yellow pimp mobile. And that's the only reason I know about this car.
0: All right. Well, that's the story. That's the story of Remzo and the Edsel. Uh, now available on on audiobook. Uh, we then go back to the, the stick the old sticks hotel where where this crack of Flint walks in. He's like, "Stannis, Laszlo, where's father? I don't know why he's German in my mind." "Stannis, Laszlo, where's father?" And he's uh, one of them says, "I don't know." In his study.
1: Standing recuperating yeah yeah let's i'm sorry i, had, that, no, I had i had to do
0: that i think they should be nazis too while we're at it why not they're they're now germans from now on the other one says Recu- recuperating from what we've had some trouble email i mean yeah with names like email stannis like yeah th- these guys should not just sound american i had uh, a
1: little i had a little run-in with kevin matchstick and the maze
0: yeah <laughs> do, do you want to be the grackle Flint from now on <laughs> Things go. were going so badly, so I was forced to call on Father Shade for help. Mirth zapped him pretty good, and he gets slapped in the face by the other Grackle Flint. And says, "You moron! How is he?" He's just missing no a idea.
1: nine, 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 nine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what was I supposed to do? Okay, and basically they go in, and so that basically the Umbra Sprite, who is you know like like Mirth mentioned their father, he uses this power of the shade and use it to get the other uh, the other Grackle Flint out of there, uh, and Mirth was able to sort of you know give him a little tap with his energy and that that sapped a lot uh, out of this out of this umbra sprite basically so, so he comes out and he says calm yourselves your concern is appreciated but unnecessary we never really see on well, actually this is the first time we actually do see his face and he he basically looks pretty much just like the Grecoflints, only he's wearing a pinstripe suit a red pinstripe suit and yeah he's like you know it was a, it was a troublesome bolt that banished my shade but i have retrieved it and all is well Merely somewhat tiring and all right and this grackle flint's like i'm I'm pleased you're well sir and i bring possible news of the fisher king one of our cronies on 13th street said he saw a cripple hanging around the midtown deli earlier today said he'd never seen him on that turf before and uh, umber sprite says yes these street dwellers do tend to stick to their own little territories don't they well very well laszlo go check this out see if it's him we may just get lucky and uh, laszlo says off to touch him to be sure what if it's not and this, um, the umber sprite says, "Well, kill him anyway. If he's just a beggar, no one's going to miss him. Uh, in fact, have a little fun with him if you like." Uh, as he walks out, he says, now I must retire again and continue the summoning of the Marhalt Ogre, whatever that is. So uh, and he gives them some last minute instructions like email, email, you and Stannis remain here. I may need your assistance later. You remember how unpleasant it is was it was traveling to this wretched little plane? Well, summoning something to it is much, much worse.
1: <laughs> you know what the Grackleflints are going to do? They're going to pump you up? up.
0: <laughs> and uh we are now back in uh ed cell that is actually what they call the chick too um in, in her car and he's like okay kid who are you how'd you ever run in with that grackle flint she's like don't call me kid i'm almost 18 he's like okay ancient but who are you says my name's ed cell <laughs> he's like really he's like no but it's what i prefer any complaints like no he's like all right well i didn't know what that thing what i was following was i just I, I don't know i just felt pulled like there was something just something wrong there and i had to find out what I didn't know the damn thing was going to be so tough, though. I'm pretty much I'm pretty mean with my baseball bat, but he didn't even seem to notice when I hit him with it. And Mirth is like, "Well, I believe I could be of some help there, young lady." And Mirth picks up the baseball bat and says, "This won't be extremely powerful. You understand? Its effect will be similar to a cattle prod, but it should help." and suddenly he like does some magic shit with this baseball bat and now that bat's grow- glowing green kevin looks he's like a magic baseball bat and Ruth's like yeah why not and kevin's like yeah sure why not uh meanwhile we see these other two grackleflints i think this is stanis and emil <laughs> somehow I'm, I'm keeping track of these guys uh, they're just in the waiting room of this hotel, and they hear this this loud noise uh, from the other room where the Umber Sprite is is apparently trying to summon this ogre. He, he just he this here a clunk, and then we go back to uh, our adventure with uh, Kevin and company, and they go up to this building. Kevin's like, "Why here?" And, and uh, they're like, "Privacy. I figured we could use a place to talk." And there's no events or anything scheduled tonight, so uh, he's like, "All right, good idea, good idea." I, Edsel and and she says, "I know." And um, mirth now says kevin if i might make a suggestion your activities of late have left your appearance a bit on the seedy side in short you look like hell i can help he puts this little magical green portal over kevin like pushes it over his clothes and all, suddenly all of his clothes they're no longer ripped they're no longer t- longer torn he's just got a nice jeans his jacket and his shirt they're all restored to their former glory uh so they're basically in this stadium and they're just going to go have a chill in the bleachers and just talk this stuff out some more and uh, Mirth kind of continues to talk about the Grackle flins as he's explaining kind of to Edsel what they are and he says there are five such creatures in this world and they are led by their father the Umbra Sprite and Edsel's like well what do do they want and he kind of goes on telling her the deal here he says ah yes what do they want well traditionally in the long legacy of the eternal struggle the darkness has always found a way to permeate somewhat into many areas and many events whereas the light has usually seen fit to pinpoint its embodiments in a more specific manner one of the greatest vessels for the light has been a man known as the Fisher King it is he they want and he we must protect and she says well just where is this Fisher King and he says I have no idea (laughs) and Kevin and Edsel look at each other like great Murray says look think how much harder it usually is to notice someone's good points rather than their faults so it is with the Fisher King as an embodiment of goodness he is difficult to recognize he changes his shape at will and so keeps us searching as he, as we should one must strive for the light. The dark has come far too easy. We head back. We see those two Grackleflints just chilling again in the hotel and literally just four panels of them waiting. Cause they're just waiting for umbra sprite to finish whatever, whatever magical thing he's doing in the other room. And we go back and says so like, so what do these goons want the Fisher King for? And, and she's like, well to kill him of course you know they need his blood with it they can affect a, compl- a complex ritual which would greatly weaken the light this would throw the balance of the struggle towards the shadows and chaos for an unknown length of time this ritual has of course been performed before the latter part of the reign of the caesars the dark ages that raged through europe china's bloody warring states period and the world wars are just a few examples so basically this is uh you know the ultimate embodiment of evil and whenever they're able to perform this evil ritual then the world gets pretty shitty for a while is essentially what this comes down to. And he says, luckily though, our enemies also have difficulty locating the Fisher King. One of the grackle flints named Laszlo, he's a clairvoyant and would probably be able to tell for sure whether or not they have found the Fisher King, but it would have to be at very close range. And so they keep searching, but you know it's it's quite a large city, so it might take them a while. We go back We see these two grackle friends still waiting outside. And then finally the umber Sprite, the the door swings open and you see him kind of like smoking. You just see the sort of silhouette of his body. And he says, it is done. The Marhalt is summoned. We then go back to the stadium. Mirth says, you're being awful quiet, Kevin. And he's, and Kevin's like, how much of this do you believe talking to Edsel? And she says, all of it. He says, huh, I'm surprised at that. You come off as being much more pragmatic. And she says, well, a streetwise attitude doesn't necessarily make me a cynic. In fact, if anything, in life on the streets serves to open you up. When you're out in the open, you begin to realize that that, that it's all that all here. The good, the bad, the clean, the dirty, the solid, the imaginary. It all exists so how very much more is also possible it's the middle classes trapped inside their two-story ranchers that put the ironclad mold on what can and can't be she's got some good points here the streets let you believe and as these guys are talking uh, you know kevin's saying well i'm not so encompassing in my views it may be incredibly bourgeois but i'm afraid i tend to stick to the old saying as we see this hairy arm reaching behind them and as we end this issue we see a giant splash page kevin is finishing his sentence the old saying seeing is believing as this giant hairy nasty looking bald pink faced ogre is hovering behind them as we end issue three ramzo what are your thoughts are we are we going in the in the right direction for
1: that you? thing looks like mini me wearing a bear costume <laughs> yeah this thing is it's definitely it's definitely original <laughs> so something that i I don't think we we ever address is pacing in the story pacing has to do with not only. The pace of the dialogue moving the story along throughout a comic, but also the layout is also a, a big indicator of pacing. And we've and we've given compliments to stories in the past that have really good layouts. But good layouts can really move a story along, and they can really change a tone. And sometimes they can even elevate artwork. I'm not changing my mind with the artwork, and we'll talk about this later after we finish issue four. But like, I'm still. I'm not I'm not really captivated by the artwork, but the one thing I really do like about this and the reason why I think it's so charming is because the page layouts, how they do the panels mm-hmm. and how they're moving it along. I think that's this book's biggest strength and it stands out. I wish the artwork could match more of that, but this is something that I, I really like because I like the story. I really do. And the last couple issues have really caught me, but now I think I understand it. It moves along without dragging the reader, without getting lost in subplots. You, you actually do really begin to like the renderings of the characters and you know it's it's really starting to grow on me now
0: yeah yeah i'm glad you think that way because it, it is it is very much an acquired taste especially you know for if someone is used to more superhero more mainstream style of art uh, more even mainstream style of storytelling this might be a little bit jarring at first but i really do like you said the pacing really works for me and it it this never gets like even though there's a lot of exposition the exposition is all done in a through the dialogue and it, it's and they do enough of of mixing it up like even when they're you know kind of mirth is explaining a lot of the stuff they they dip back and you know show the grackle flints waiting and just breaks it up just enough that these issues really do fly by i mean we're going to probably clock this this uh this entire episode and you know over and just over an hour by the time we're done with this thing and and that's
1: enough to get your daily cardio in
0: yes and just enough to get your daily cardio in and you can actually track that with the spc fitness app that you can download uh from your app store of choice that's not true so don't try to do it uh, but uh but moving along we're going to dip back in for the final not the final issue of the series, but the final issue of the series that we're going to be looking at today. Mage, the hero discovered issue number four. I love the cover that they scanned in here of this one. It's just, it's just a picture of this ogre about to grab, uh, Kevin and Kevin with just his, his has a, a, a um, a word balloon of a, a dialogue bubble where he just says ogre. <laughs> it's so simple and silly. I just, I really like it. Uh, moving in though. We see this hand reaching out and it just grabs Kevin. He lifts Ke- this giant over, lifts Kevin up, throws him down. And this talk about pacing. This is where this issue, the pace really picks up because we get a lot of a lot of battle, a lot of dialog battle, but it's, it's entertaining battle. So Kevin goes flying, this ogre jumps into the stadium and is is like a hundred times bigger than Kevin. And um, as this thing's just smacking the thing around, uh, even Mirth is kind of surprised. He's like, that was the Marhal ogre? And Edsel's like, the what? She's like, oh, it's, it's a creature from Kevin's uh, Kevin's other life. And he's like, the Umber Sprite must have submitted. I, I didn't think he could. Especially after what, after what I did to his shade. And she's like, well, get rid of it. He's like, oh, I can't do that. She's like, what? You're like, this is a magical creature. Like, what do you mean you can't do that meanwhile kevin is getting the life squeezed out of him by this thing he's like oh i'm too weak my powers are mainly supportive not combative like I, i can attack when i need to but it's it's a real strain and that fight in the alley emptied me out she's like but i've seen you use magic since then his clothes my bat he's like oh that's nothing i'm just pushing energy around here and there no big deal this would this would take a full offensive strike in fact my earlier little escapades probably created quite a ripple in the fibers of the magic that's how he found us nothing i can do and she says all right then get me my bat meanwhile while Kevin is being squeezed to death and finally just says screw it bites this thing bites this thing's hand uh and this it actually works this thing just screams just raw as kevin just flies out of his hand kevin j- lands on the ground next to this uh um, giant foot of this creature and punches it in the angle which ankle which does seem to have uh, an effect on the creature and mirth is still saying you can't be serious that spell isn't nearly strong enough to and then as kevin looks up he punched it he's punched this thing in the ankle but that made it fall over so it's about to fall on kevin while mirth and Cell are arguing so edsel saying can it drink?" I'm not going to sit here and watch him belt it out with that thing all alone. Meanwhile, Kevin has now been crushed by the ogre. Like he's alive because he's Kevin and he has powers, but he's stuck underneath it. Finally, gets him out. He's like, just, just do it. And he says, all right. She gives him, and uh, he gives her the, the magical bat. Kevin is kind of out of it. Gets punched by this thing again, and he just screams, Mirth. <laughs> and now this thing is hovering over Kevin. It looks like it's just about to crush him with his thumb. When Edsel jumps on this thing's back, and he's like, Edsel, and she's got this glowing green bat. And then mirth's just like, all right, careful, go. And she just starts whacking this ogre in the bat with her green glowing baseball bat
1: she's going rodney king on that thing
0: (laughs) she's going full rodney on him and uh full full lapd i guess full
1: lapd
0: (laughs) and kevin's like edsel look out he's too tough and meanwhile this thing reaches up and mirth's like careful and he grabs edsel the the ogre and starts crushing her looks like she's about to get crushed to death and and, then mirth's like oh god oh no Ed, this thing throws Edsel. She's being thrown across the stadium. Mirtha, some magic stuff to to save her. Kevin jumps on this thing's head and has apparently sent her to some like dark dimension or something. They're just like in the darkness for a minute here and um yeah kevin just continues to wail away on this thing just punching in the head punching in the head um mirth is kind of just like bringing edsel back to life healing her with with her magic powers as uh, kevin runs away from this thing in this football stadium kevin leaps and jumps onto the um man why can't the the goalpost uh you know the thing they kick the ball the sports thing the sports thing yeah um grabs onto it and pulls it all the way back and then let's go. And it slaps this ogre right in the face. Uh, then Kevin breaks a piece of it off with this, uh, breaks a piece of wood off and just starts smacking this thing in the face. He's like, you son of you lousy son of a bitch dirty bastard and just hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And finally he just stops and he's just breathing and breathing. He's like, ah, ah, okay. Damn you. Just, damn you and then uh, so he basically just he just beat the living shit out of this thing to death and he's like okay well well, how is she talking to mirth now he's like oh she's out she's fine but how are you he's like look there was no other way kevin he's like i'm lousy I i lost it Mirth says, it was the only way you could have beaten him. And and uh, Kevin says, well, I, I killed him. And he says, no, no, my friend, you didn't kill him. He's like, look. And he, he, they look over and there's just this like purple smoke there. And he's like, oh, it's gone. And Murth says, yeah, he just returned to his realm. You know, it's very difficult to kill one from the fairylands, Kevin. You merely broke the spell that bound him to this plane. He's like, that was a fairy? And Murth is like, no, that was an ogre. But the fairylands are many and varied. You know, some are light, some are dark. And Kevin says, well, that still doesn't excuse what I did. I, I didn't know how, how it i didn't know it couldn't be killed i tried to kill it i wanted to kill it and i swore i would never do that again and that's when kevin tells this story about when he was he was a kid and he had this dog that he loved walked her all the time took care of her slept in her bed and then one day he was trying to train her and he just couldn't teach his dog to shake hands so then kevin starts to beat this puppy and he beats this dog to fucking death and and i, I shouldn't be laughing at this at all um but yeah it sounds like kevin, kevin had some issues kevin had some issues was a kid
1: Kind of escalated really quickly. He's
0: like, you know, I I promised myself I would never happen again. If I had done this, how much worse would it be against someone I I was really mad at? So all my life I fought to keep under control and I've always managed to remain fairly moderate until lately, especially until today. Merth says, well, you you were a child, Kevin, and being a child means living pure, unadulterated emotion. Wants and needs are all a child knows, and now it is necessary for you to use the fervor that emotion produces, so your emotions are surfacing above all your well-practiced self-restraint. Kevin says, oh, great, so I'm reverting to becoming a child again. Awesome. He says, no, Kevin. You're becoming a warrior. We are fighting a war, you know. Emotion is the quickest, most immediate form of power there is, be it love, anger, fear, whatever, produces instant power, instant capability. Knowledge also produces such power, but learning is a much more tedious process. And if the time can be afforded, it is the preferred source. Power that stems from knowledge is much more controlled and directed he's like but look you haven't been trained for your present task at hand kevin you've been kept blissfully ignorant of your fate your whole life as are most people but most people have no need of power most people ride out the stream of their entire lives with never once fighting the current they're born they grow they get a job they marry they grow old and they die as billy pilgrim another Remzo. what can you tell me about billy pilgrim
1: billy pilgrim is I don't know who Billy Pilgrim is.
0: Yeah, I mean, neither. No idea. I, I do love, like, I, I love, it's interesting reading a book where I get none of the references. I really don't get any of Wagner's references here, but he's a man. Before are
1: these the real people? I don't know. I have no idea. It's like the third random person they reference. And it's like, this must be like. <laughs> we got Tony Savini. We got Billy Pilgrim. Who are these guys? Um,
0: and Mirth goes on. He says, look, it's those extreme few that decide to use the available forms of power that affect the world that change it and Murth's like what are you looking at and kevin's like oh you look terrible are you all right and this is mirth then says actually i'm kind of drained but Mime, it's really hot in here and he's like oh that's better takes off his uh takes off his little cape then he's like all right and now and he goes and he has these bandages around his legs and he starts unwrapping these bandages and then as he unwraps his bandages it's revealed that mirth has no legs <laughs> that just kind of happens mirth is just wearing magic bandages as legs this whole time he's like oh my god your leg kevin's all freaked out he's like oh i'm sorry kevin i forgot you didn't know yes my legs are just wrappers are held together by a very powerful spell like yeah we, we all have weaknesses all right mine are just rather specific now in one of my other's lives and this is where kevin's like your other lives He's like, yeah, we've all had other lives, Kevin. I just happen to remember all of mine. Anyway, at one time I had a weakness for very beautiful women. (laughs) Uh, So it goes. And he says, now if you'll excuse me. Ah, that's better. And now he's just laying there with no legs, (laughs) sitting next to Kevin, uh, in this alleyway. Uh, we then go and we see this, this homeless guy, this old, older homeless guy, and he says, you know, he's asking for change. And then um, He's talking to this guy in a trench coat who has a real, really weird spiky elbow. He says, oh, good evening, sir. Can you spare a quarter for a war vet? And this Grackle Flint, who we know is Laszlo, says, yes, I think so. In fact, I think that's just about the nicest pan handle I've ever gotten so what do you say we do it again and if you do it real nice we'll make it 10 bucks and he says a saw buck? i guess that's another word for 10 bucks a sawbuck? a sawbuck, you got it mister he says um, good evening sir could you kindly spare something for a veteran and and this is when laszlo he's like using his magical energy on him and he's realizing okay that's not, it's not him this guy's not even really crippled he's like well mister how's that and he says fine my friend just fine and we he we see as he has hit him with his venomous spur and thrown this guy down. This uh, homeless guy who was who's not actually he was actually faking uh, this whole wheelchair thing. So I don't feel as bad as I would if he was an actual guy in a wheelchair. But he's, he's screaming, "Oh my God! They're all over me! All over me! They're crawling on me! My eyes! My eyes! They're eating my eyes! Oh my God! Oh my God! Help me, please! Oh sweet mother, get him off! Get him off!" And again, we go back to Kevin and Mirth, and Mirth is feeling it. He feels he feels this hit. Kevin's like, "Mirth, what's wrong?" He's saying, "Calm down, Kevin. It's just you know, just another vision." i'll be fine oh that's better now damn apparently your little frolic with the ogre must have set off some alarms kevin's like why he's like well because there's loads of cops on their way here listen you should probably hear them straight Yep, there they are Woo! as we hear the sirens uh he says all right go get edsel she stretched out in some blankets down there on the left and mirth is thinking man that's strange i should have heard about this sooner than i did something's up here and um kevin runs in he's got edsel and he's like, great, come on, we'll go back the way you just came. I noticed an exit sign up there and Amirth takes him down to this, like this little darker part of the building he says most likely they'll investigate the door we came through first. It'll, it's, it's still standing open, so we won't be expected to exit at a side door. But right as they exit out the side door, they come out and he says, of course, I could be wrong as these cops are waiting for them and they just say freeze as we end issue four. Of Mage, And that's where we're going to do it today. This is the first volume of the series. I think it's a total of four. I believe it's like 16 issues, something like that. Uh, but that is the introduction, I guess, to our character, our hero, Kevin Matchstick and his adventures that will continue on for several decades. But they're all very short. I think every series is something like around 20 issues, more or less, maybe hero defined might be a couple less. less, um, but he, he does these in little chunks and uh, yeah, this is, this is kind of Matt Wagner's baby. This and Grendel are, are, are basically make up the the bulk of his work. But now that we've wrapped things up, Remzo, how are you feeling about this, this four issue introduction about the first volume introduction uh, to this character? Have you warmed up at all from, from the, uh, that first issue?
1: I, I like, that's a very clear example of somebody following the hero's journey in a, in a book. I think sometimes uh, it's leaned on it a bit too much as just kind of like the archetype of archetype of like what you need to do because you could see the you could see the flow of it. It's almost too predictable in a way. So like while it's good to see that growth because you do get to really feel something for the characters, you do really get to let them grow on you a bit. I felt like it it did kind of lean on it a, a bit explicitly, and maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he's trying to you know make people really notice that. Um, I will say that the dialogue is kind of kitschy sometimes. It's, it, it, they don't really talk how people talk and it's, you know, I'm not saying that I always want them to do that, but it just comes across as not, not the best dialogue. What I will say is that, uh, you, you do begin to like some of the renderings in issues, uh, three and four. I think those are when I really like it. And it's because you really start to notice that, um, the, the, the pacing is different. The layout of the panels is different. It just kind of moves along and you never feel bored. And I got to say, like even some of the books where I've given it like really high scores, like between eights and tens, uh, there are some lull periods, whether it's a couple pages or a couple issues. And I never felt that here. So the fact that, you know, this was able to just keep it going and it, there, there were some fun moments and everything. And you do really get to see how the characters interact with each other when they go ahead and bring in Etzel. Um, I, I've gotta say for the art I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a three because it's I I, I can't just say I, I it's not my style. I think I say that a lot. I will say that there are some parts where it just comes off as just a bit a bit juvenile and and maybe that's me being harsh but you know there's some parts where it's really cool and there's some parts where you know especially in the first issue where I'm like what am I reading Um, so I'm giving the art of three I think it's saved really by the the layout of the book where some parts where they really kind of zoom in on certain characters like I like the cab scene in uh, in issues uh, in issue three I think the cab scene they actually make that look really cool Um, and, and then the fight scene in issue four I think that's some of the best action we've seen so because of that where it's like that's how you you know it's like the John Wick style of how you're going to go ahead and craft a fight scene throughout an issue with everything I really did like that, so I'm going to give it a three. And and then for uh, everything else, I'm I'm going to give it uh, a three point five for a total score of a six point five out of ten. Actually, no, I'm gonna I'm actually going to amend my score. Ooh, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna give, <laughs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna give. I'm going to give the artwork a 3.5. Remzo versus
0: Remzo. Remzo
1: I'm going to <laughs> give the art a 3.5. I'm going to give the story and the dialogue a 3.5 for a total score of 7 out of 10. This is going to be the first time I think I've actually changed my own mind on air. I think you talked yourself up, right? You saw
0: that in real time. That, that was something to witness. Uh, all right. Well, interesting. Because this is actually, this is one of those stories that based on like when it came out, you'd think this would be a nostalgia pick for me, but it's really not. It's just, I really enjoyed the, Made the Hero Defined in the 90s. And that's that's why I later went back and wanted to see the origin. And, and I will say, I think I was a little bit like you the first time I read this, kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, a, it's a little cheesy. It's like, it's not what I'm used to seeing in comics. And it, it, I think Matt Wagner's art is is very much an acquired taste it's just he has a very specific style i do think his his art does evolve over the years as you as you you might expect like i think at this point he's only been doing comics for a couple years and then when we get to mage the hero denied which just came out i think last year he i wouldn't say he's a very different artist you can still tell he's the same artist but he does he does do some things a little differently so this is not this feels like a passion project yeah. And, and it absolutely is. And, and, and I guess that's something I appreciate about it. Cause it does, to me, it does come across the, the authenticity of it does come across like it, it very much does not feel like a corporately packaged book. It's it yeah. very much feels like, I don't know. I don't want to say like your, your buddy who just put it.
1: <laughs> this feels like, I mean, this feels like Todd McFarlane or Eric Larson making characters yes. when they were young and getting to tell their stories when they were older. This, right. I, I, I don't know anything about this guy. I'm just making a lot of assumptions, yeah. but this, this gives me the same vibe.
0: Yeah. The difference being that Eric Larson and Todd McFarlane had like 10, 15 year careers becoming professionals before they did their passion project of the characters they grew up with. Whereas this is like Matt Wagner's like just getting into comics. I think he's like 22, 23 years old at this point. This is,
1: this is like my first book. Still available on Amazon, but I'm not pushing it out. <laughs> yeah. He
0: had only, he had only done a couple other books at this point. Uh, I think he might have done Grendel before this. I think, but anyway, yeah. I mean, he, he's still very, very young and very raw, and that does come across um, in the art. So, I, like, I'm not gonna. My point being, I don't think this this doesn't get extra nostalgia points for me because it's not it's not my own nostalgia pick. This actually originally came out maybe you know seven or eight years before I was even reading comics. Um, so I, I'm actually and this is actually really interesting. I'm surprised. I'm surprised at this turn, but let, I'm gonna give. This story i'm gonna give a story i am also going to give a story a 3.5 um because i like in some ways it is just like you know, it's, it's, it's a hero's journey retread and like, like, like every story is essentially. Um, but it's, it's done in, in a way that like, I, I, I can really enjoy the, the realness of the dialogue and of the characters. And I, I enjoy that we're kind of getting, we're, we're understanding, like, like you were talking about at the beginning, like, I don't really know what's going on here yet, but neither does Kevin. So it's like, it, it makes sense that we don't know what's going on. And even, even as we end this issue, we don't really know everything that's going on. We just know that we're getting, we're getting little tit, tidbits and pieces here. Like we're, I know that mirth got no legs i yes we know that mirth got no legs yeah and you know we're, we're getting little hints that like okay these characters there's they have multiple lives um like mirth remembers his but kevin doesn't so like what what was kevin what was he in these other lives so i think there's enough like really interesting tidbits to set it up that it, it does make me want to see you it, it makes me want to find out the answers and it, it and it's done in a really fun enough way that i, I never get bored and that's to me that's a hallmark of, of a good story uh, maybe not a great story but a good story so i'm going to give the writing a 3.5 as well and then i, I think i'm actually going to be harder on the art than you because look i i, I want to grade it on a curve because he is younger i thought i was mean no nah, i mean i think you were you were fair but like i will say i like matt wagner's art in mage the hero defined which is the one from the 90s um i really really like his art there and it is much improved over this so i mean i think it's i think it's fair to say that this is slightly above average at best art so i'm just going to give it a slightly above average at best score i'm going to give the art a three so that this actually will get a total of a 6.5 to me which is interesting because that feels lower than i would have thought i would have given it I'm surprised that I ended up lower than you, but I think I'm being fair. And I think that this, this story gets better as it goes along. And I think Matt Wagner improves as the decades go along. So I think that if you stick with this, you'll actually just, it, it, it's, it's like you're, the story grows with the, the, with the creator, which I think that's one thing I really like about this is that you can see how rough it is in the beginning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like the ultimate fuck it pile book. Like really, like I wouldn't even put this really in the Sunday read category. So, so all together, we're giving it a 13 out of 20 combined second per comic score. I, this isn't a, this doesn't meet the Sunday read criteria for me. This Thirteen is and a half, I guess. I, okay. 13 a and a half, yeah. So this, I mean, that's just barely beneath that. This is what you see in the back of the convention in the $1 bin when you didn't buy much or you have some extra cash and you're like, fuck it. It's a dollar.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't think you would regret that dollar because it's not bad. It's, it, it, you ah. know, it's just, it's interesting and it's, you yeah. know. It's it's definitely an acquired taste, though. I will say that, especially in this early form, this this very much like unrefined Matt Wagner. Um he his 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 work doesn't prove as yeah, he did he did do a decent amount of with DC, but it was all after this. That's what's interesting. Whereas a lot of these creators, they you know, they they grind their teeth working for Marvel and DC, and then eventually they break off and do their own stuff. Well, Matt Wagner's first book was Grendel in 1983, and his second book was Mage in 1984. So he started off entirely independent, and then due to the notion Notoriety he gained from some of these earlier books, then he parlayed that into some work for with uh, like DC. Uh, I don't think yeah he did a couple of things for Marvel, but m- most of his work um, outside of his independent creations was seems like it was with DC. He did a couple of Batman books, uh, let's see some demons, some Doctor Midnight, did a Sandman issue as well. So he's 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 done some things, but it, it all started here. Uh, so I just I find Matt Wagner a pretty interesting creator just just because his path is it's like the flip, it's like the reverse of like the Eric. Larson I respect and the and hustle, Dan.
1: like yeah, anyone absolutely. willing to like anyone and I'm not saying this book is bad. I don't want anyone to say that. I can never say that about another writer's or artist stuff. Um and I think I think it's worth commending anybody who does this, especially when they've got like no institutional support. Like that takes a lot of balls. It takes a lot of time. And I think if if you uh I, I think a lot of people listening to this who are on the fence I think this is really the test of where you are in terms of your own styles and tastes. I think this, I think this comic is really going to show you a lot of what you do like and a lot of what you don't like, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely a $1 fuck a pile. comic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is for now. So we shall see, but uh, I think this is um, one of the more interesting books that, that you and I have checked out um, just in terms of the curiosity that it, the curiosity that it
1: is. It's the most off color book. I think we've picked. And we, and we picked some like random like I thought the the Sam Keith Max stuff was going to be like the most out there stuff we did I think this surpassed that
0: I mean yeah Max is definitely more out there conceptually but it, it still does have elements that make it feel like a mainstream book when you know just the look the feel all of that whereas this feels like this gritty unknown thing that it's you would do on its would own discover. thing exactly yeah. so uh, so that wraps it up for this episode and for our look at Mage the Hero Discovered if you want to check it out, I, well, I got this one on Comixology Unlimited. That's where I that's where I read this particular version because I don't think this one is on Hoopla. We usually send people to the old Hoopla, but not this week, my friends. So you're going to have to do a little extra digging for this one, but uh, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth checking out. Let's, let's put it that way. If you're, if you're not paying more than a dollar, <laughs> at least. Um, and uh, anything else before we go, Ramza? Any last words? Don't drink a latte before your blood test.
1: Don't drink a latte before your blood test. And one episode of the Second pre Comics podcast is your daily cardio if you're going and being active. I think, you know, the only other thing we can add is, as always, if you learned one thing, it's this. It's time to read comics and change the, change world. the world. Good night, America. Adios.